All right, so the question Drew and I get asked every single day is how do you start a podcast? When we were trying to get this podcast off the ground, we both had so many questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show into all the apps people like to listen to? And most importantly, how do we make money from our podcast? The answer is simple. Anchor. Anchor is your one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all people, it's 100% free and it's ridiculously easy to use. Even Drew can use it. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, guys, that's exactly what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and Drew and the whole diverse community of podcasters around the world that are already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. We can't wait to hear your podcast. All right, you are now tuned in to the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the true players broadcast, episode 129. It's the final dance. It's the last dance. Drew and I are going to break down episode 9 and 10. We are so over this goat talk, but we're going to talk one last time about it. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew. Drew, kick that intro music. Excuse me, I didn't mean to interrupt like Mount Vesuvius. I'm about due to erupt. Use it or I'm losing it. They say I need to loosen up. Tight, I'm well taught. I must do the max like Ludi us. I do have something to say. So you got to give it up. Give it up. You never heard like this before. What up, broadcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It's the follow through with Clips and Drew, the true players broadcast. Episode 129, mm-hmm. almost hitting that milestone of 130. I'm not sure 130 is a milestone. Just sounds better than 129. Yeah, we can call it a milestone. There is uh, a few things going on in quarantine right now. We got some good news this morning yeah. from Woj. Woj dropped it. Yes. Looks like they're shooting for... It looks First of all, it looks like Orlando's the place to be. That's where it's going to happen for... I read something yesterday, like they were thinking about Houston too, which was a little weird. Okay. I don't know why Houston... There's a lot of gyms in Houston. Houston runs a big AAU circuit. I mean, I played in Houston twice and... There's gyms all over the place. I mean, granted, when I was there, sometimes I was playing in like middle school gyms, which is not necessarily what they're looking for. But, you know, my guess is that they're looking for places that that have the capacity as far as hotels and and court space. So but it does seem like Orlando is, is kind of going to be the, the, the best spot for them. Well, they're opening up. What, what was the deal with what, what did Woj say? Um, Woj essentially says that they expect by June 1st. To start practicing. All teams to resume normal practices, and then he expects on that day or somewhere near that day that Adam Silver will come out with his plan to restart the season. By July. Right. We don't know when when that's going to be. That's going to be a part of what Adam Silver is supposed to announce is his plans to get everything back in place. But what we've known now is that it's expected on June 1st for all the teams to be able to open their practice facilities fully, bring all the players back in and have some sort of practice resuming and then starting building up their stamina and then training and then being able to play in games in a, in a month or so. Yeah. I think the whole time everyone's been saying that they need, you know, three to four weeks to get ready. So I think all the plans that silver are going to have, it, it's going to involve that amount of time to get these boys up, up to snuff. Because uh, what we have seen already is is in a couple of the leagues that have resumed in Europe is that there's been injuries from players that have been out for too long and they just come back and try and play full strength and they get injured. So that's the last thing that they want is they want, you know, p- players to feel safe about the COVID, at, you know, and coronavirus stuff. But mostly they also want players to be fully fit and not, you know, just walk out on their first game and get injured in the first well, game. Well, game shape's way – I mean, I'm sure everybody's staying in shape as much as they can. Sure. But game shape, playoff shape is definitely different. They're going to need at least two weeks to get some legs under them. I'm hoping, you know, they get to run some scrimmages and whatnot. Exactly. But it actually seems like it might happen. So yep. they're planning on reopening California June 1st, too, They which is a little weird, or slowly reopening, hopefully to have the whole state open by July 4th. But again, I'm cool. I'm killing quarantine, Thri- <laughs> thriving right now. Yeah. But one sad note is that Last Dance is over. Yeah. Episodes 11 and 12, when 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 Mike's in in Washington, yeah, they're not going to air. No, that was 
the, the, yeah, the, the extra credit episodes. I'm I'm fully invested. If there's more footage of what happens after Miami, I mean, I said it on the last one, but any footage or any additional stuff, what happens after Mike's retirement in 98 and then the leading up to, like, I don't, do we know what he did for those three seasons? Probably golf and gamble. Golf the whole time. Golf and gamble. Just and for then, three years. And just missed the competition. And then when he's 38, just goes... You know what? I think I could probably I could do this. I again. could probably run it back. I wish he never did that. <laughs> but what do you still re- average twenty points a game? In it those, feels like those the doc seasons. went so fast. Well, that's the funny part because I was just thinking like it's been five weeks. It's been five full weeks since this came, this thing came out, and it April seventeenth. It, it doesn't feel like it's been five weeks, right? But at the same time, every day feels like a fucking week. So it's it really it does. is it's a weird thing. I it's it's hard to believe that a month and a half has gone by and that this documentary is now over, but. I thoroughly enjoyed nine and ten. There was a lot of good stuff in there. I have a couple the Bulls problems. won. The Bulls won. The, the Bulls did I win. I was waiting to see who was going to win, but the Bulls, shocking they, they pulled it off uh, against the Jazz. So, what do you give the documentary on a scale of one to ten? Ten being yeah. fucking the best. So it's an eleven for me because what? of the timing, because because of I was starving for some sort of sports some sort of any kind of entertainment and they provided that. So for that reason, this doc's always going to be better than it actually was because of the time in which it took place for me. Now, if I'm just ranking it amongst other documentaries, I don't think it deserves a 10. I don't know if this is you know going to win an Oscar or anything like that. It might. That's but a lot of footage. It dude. is a lot of footage and they did a really good job with it. So, I mean, I would say, honestly, the only thing that, that seems to be in question is like I would have loved some more input from some of the other guys that Oh, I got so many issues with yeah, this. Yeah, that that were called out and didn't really get their say on on a lot of different I mean Horace obviously has had a lot to say after this this documentary. I think hearing more from Scotty Pippen would have been really interesting and I thought Scotty got a lot of got no, a lot of play on this. Fun fact about sure. episode 10 though. Yeah. That shit wasn't done until last week. Right. They rushed they rushed 10 to get all edited and done. Yeah. Um, and then obviously Horace, who seemed like he was enjoying doing the, yeah, he was doing, doing the interviews, yeah, doing the interviews. And then it comes out yesterday that Horace is pissed. Yeah. Horace was really <laughs> poorly portrayed. And we called it out after that first episode where, or second episode where they're talking about the Jordan rules. And basically Mike called Horace the snitch Yep. when in fact, like you snitching on Horace makes you a snitch, you know, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not completely like, it was great. Like you said, perfect timing. But like, especially for for nine and ten, like, how do you not have Carl Malone in this? How is Brian Russell not in this? You only got Stockton, right? And Stockton's the homie. I, I know him and Mike are still friends and whatnot. Sure. This goes to show you that Carl does not like Michael Jordan. Absolutely they prob- not. They probably do not get along. And it all. I mean, who knows? Maybe there was you know additional footage from other guys that were on that team that they, like you said, it was done last minute. So maybe they really had to. I mean, I'm sure they had probably a little over an hour to two hours of footage to squeeze into episode 10 and whatever was remaining on the cutting room floor. Like I would love to see the extended version of this. I mean, cause I'm going to, I, like I said, I, I, they have so much footage. It's, it's not just 10 hours of footage that they have. They had to edit it down and make it look nice. They have, you know, hundreds of hours of footage. Supposedly Michael was interviewed for eight hours. Okay. Like that was like the total of all the Michael interviews. I just felt that the, and again, this is not, you're going to, a few things I'm going to say, people are going to think I'm hating, and I'm well, not. Well, so hating. where do you rank it? So I have it I think, as a nine. I, I'm right. All I, things considered, like you said during the time, yeah, I thought they did everything great. Like it, it takes me back. I remember this very well. Um, it was, you know, a really great time for me basketball wise. That's when I like fell in love with basketball a few years earlier. Um, I remember a lot of those games. I love the fact that us having a show it gives us something to talk about it gives us something to watch as like a basketball community that we can talk about with our listeners yeah and also like it's it's generational because like my dad and mom are watching that because they remember that season too and then i get to talk to my mom and dad about it i just felt that throughout this whole thing this was so michael controlled all this narrative right no matter what like I'm pretty sure just to get this done and out, they've been sitting on this for 20 years. They needed Michael's approval before any of this shit's released. We already know that it took LeBron winning the championship for him to be like, all right, let release the hounds. Yeah, right. Right. And I just felt that Michael controlled all of it. Now it's the, you know, I had been saying for the few, few weeks, like, where's his family? Like, are they not going to interview 
is I, I understand if the wife doesn't right. want to be in it. The kids literally got a 20-second plug yeah. talking about how their mom made them watch the game in the basement. Right, and, and what it was like to watch in Utah when they did go to Utah. So that, extend, that extended footage you're talking about, they obviously sat down the sons and the daughters to do an interview. To talk about more than just one right. game. And then all, and all you're getting out of it is like, oh, no, my mom wouldn't let us go. We had to watch in the basement. Right. That's literally all you get, and especially being that there's two episodes just about Michael and his relationship with his father and their bond. So I'm pretty sure, like, we skipped over that whole thing. Like, while Michael is gambling and golfing and playing, where is he on the home front? Like, right. how is he? Was he like his father? Was he any good like that? Or are we just going to keep this strictly basketball? Right. Right. I didn't like the fact, even in the early days with Craig Hodges, we brought that up. I'm pretty sure Michael got to pick and choose who he wanted in this. Yeah. And just, I understand Michael has every right to be cocky, obviously. You're fucking Michael Jordan. I get it. Mm -hmm. But it just, it just seemed a little much for me. The narrative was just so pro Michael. Well, and we don't, again, Jerry Krause doesn't get a word in this. Right. He looks horrible. Horace looks horrible. Um, I thought it was really great that they brought up the Steve Kerr thing. Oh, yeah. That Steve need- Kerr and Reggie Miller uh, were great, great in these episodes. Uh, how do you not like Steve Kerr? I mean, he uh, seems like just like the most likable guy on the planet. And not only that, he win- he goes on to win the next championship in 1999. So he leaves the Bulls after a three-peat and then wins again. So he has a four-peat. Steve Kerr does. Just winning. Four championships in a row. Um, and then also, obviously, like the you know his, his story is pretty crazy and, and – you know the way that his dad passed it, you know, overseas, it essentially murdered, which is fucking insane. And the fact that him and Mike have that in common is, but never talked about it. Is yeah, exactly. That's it. That's pretty. That's pretty crazy stuff. Like they they have one really unique thing in common, and then never they never brought it up. But I mean, it also kind of shows you just where their headspace was. Like it wasn't about reminiscing, or it wasn't even about really creating a bond and getting to know each other. It was all about winning. It seems to me like the only way you're bonding with Michael is if you're gambling or drinking. That's the only, <laughs> that's seriously the only way or, or fighting golfing. or fighting him. See, I just it definitely made Michael look like a horrific teammate. I mean, he had his, he had his moments like where he's, you know, seeing Scott Burrell's friends and whatnot. I'd want to see more of that. It's obvious he was good to the kids when he could be the kids, like the fans and whatnot. Yeah. But he just seemed like, like when Jim Bushler was like, Yo, we were we feared Michael. We didn't want to disappoint Michael. Like, that's just weird to me. Like, I don't see, you know, that's not what a that's not necessarily what a leader does. Like, you don't want your team to fear you. You know, sure. it feels like more of a like you're supposed to fear your mom and dad when you're younger. You're not supposed to be their friends when you're younger, right? You're uh-huh. supposed to fear them. And then as you get older, you become friends. Sure. And it just felt like there was like this boot camp that you had to go through to get Michael's respect so he'd pass you the basketball. Right. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I, I just feel that it was great. It was great. Michael was great. So did you say a number uh, like on your I mean, scale? I'm with you on a nine. I, I mean, I'm with you. I thought right. it was very well done. It was. I just think that there will be something – within the next year that's going to be like yo the real last dance and uh-huh. it's going to be some other motherfuckers that well, are just i mean they have a platform now to do their own documentary their own version of the last dance right like if Hor- horace could organize his own crew of people and he could tell his side of get the story. hodges on there be like let me tell you how michael really was well that's the thing i mean so there i i will i will definitely i think for sure that there's going to be content created from this like in another form of a documentary now whether or not it's like like well, I'm hoping my the the next ten years of Michael's life, which I don't think there was camera crews around for that on purpose. I think Mike really wanted to disappear from the cameras for a while. But any version of this I would be very interested in. Like if you're Scott Burrell's children, right? Like and you're you you know, he's probably got a son that's twenty. Right. Like Pops, you really let him punk you like that all the time? Like were you guys really that scared of Michael? Right. And yeah, I, I mean it's crazy to see just how good he was, right? It's obvious. Like, he was on a whole nother level over everybody else. Right. But then there's those, like, when they're before the game in Utah, like, yeah, I woke up, I played piano, had a couple beers, a cigar, and then he goes to practice. Yeah. And he's got the headphones on and just, like, super nonchalant. And it's just... It, uh, you thought he was a little full of himself at that well, point. Well, again, like, it's Michael. Like, you should be. Right. I just... 
everything, and I bring this up on every show, but everything he said prior to this of you guys are going to think I'm a horrible person. I definitely think that there, he, he seems like the, the worst teammate to have, mm-hmm. um, unless, unless he likes you, you know, right. like it seemed like Will, Will Purdue and Bill Wennington were just like, we respected him, but he was kind of an asshole. Yeah. Jude Bushler shitting in his pants. Yeah. You know, Steve Kerr got a fucking jab to the eye. Yep. I just, you know, and Jerry gets no credit. We say this again, like all these players that got to come in here mm-hmm. came from, and then Reinsdorf looked like, looks like a punk too. Mm-hmm. Like you're the owner. You right. could have made this happen. Well, it's funny because Scotty does at the end says that he says Jerry Krause is the best GM ever simply because he was able to put the team together. So Scotty at least gives him that. Mike does not give him any kind of nod, but Scotty says that. I think it's wrong. I don't think he's the best GM ever. Because if he was, Chicago would have made another finals since 1998. They haven't been back since. Uh, and granted, he hasn't been the GM for a lot of years now. But he still was the GM, I think, until 2005. So he did a good job. We're never going to get his side of the story, unfortunately. If those memoirs come out. Supposedly sure. there's memoirs. Okay. So that would be really interesting. And you know what? It would be a great time to drop them now. Absolutely. If they're not yeah. in production It would be already. the peak of interest Agreed. Uh, for those to come out. So maybe we get a little bit of insight from Jerry from those memoirs. Um, but I think I know what he's going to say, though. I mean, really, he's just going to be like, I, I, it's, all, it's all me. I did. This. It's my it's me. You can <laughs> see the only reason we had success is because of what I put around Michael and blah, blah, blah. But I found the most intriguing part of this is that Reinsdorf just goes at the end, just calls Phil and says, let's fucking run it back. And Phil is the one that goes, yeah, nah, I think I'm. I think I'm good. I think I'm. Do you think that was because of Jerry, or just because they're exhausted? They, I bet they were exhausted. I think it's the ultimate, like, power move from Phil. I mean, because really, he knew that Mike wasn't going to come back Mm -hmm. unless he was there. So, I mean, you can see Reinsdorf being kind of a bitch in this, uh, kind of a punk, but at the very end, goes, "Oh shit, am I really? Are we really going to let this? We're really going to let this happen?" And calls him and says, "You know what? Fuck it. Like, let's let's run it back. Like, let's do it one more year." And I, I find it very intriguing that Phil was the one that ultimately made that decision. Because if he comes back, you know Michael's Mike, coming. Mike said he'd sign the Michael's one year. Michael's coming back. And he, you can hear it when he said that you know everyone would sign another year and run it back. Even Scotty would have to work on. But you can hear in that sentence, Mike was willing to come back without Scotty. Like mm-hmm. it, it wasn't like he needed Phil and Scotty to be the, the two that came back in order for him to, to stay and play another year. Um, and I, I, I would love Phil's take on that i mean they they, they talked he did a great they job. talked a little bit about it but phil's phil's answer is just super very nonchalant and casual just like very phil like it's just like i'm i'm done i don't want to do it and i'm gonna go to the lakers i would love to press <laughs> him on that and be like well why like why wouldn't you have run it back and and you know i think the truth of the matter is is that phil probably was very insulted by the fact that reinsdorf laid it laid it down like that where it was like you could go 82 and 0 Kraus. Yeah, yeah, excuse me. Mm-hmm. That Kraus laid it down to him saying that you can go 82 and 0, we're not hiring you back. So, I think that sentence right there was the one that put the nail in the coffin. Even though, you know, they they win the championship and and they have another 3 But isn't it ultimately Reinsdorf's call? It is. Yeah, so he looks like a puss. But he and- can't he so I, that's my point is like he went behind Jerry Kraus's assumingly behind Jerry mm-hmm. Kraus's back to try and salvage this and phil was the one that that ended this entirely and if i'm reinsdorf like and everybody's upset with kraus my superstars are upset with kraus the great the greatest coach is upset with kraus maybe we should just get rid of kraus and let's bring in one of michael's people or one of phil's people or hey let's get tex winner up here to to gm or something like that sure and that didn't happen and and that's uh, that's the most intriguing part about it because i think if phil would have said yes he might have had a condition where it's like it's either me or or jerry right so like i'll come back and it didn't. Apparently, that just wasn't even in the in the in the cards. They didn't even talk about that. Phil was just like a flat no. But my guess is that if he had said yes and just said, "Look, I, I'll only come back if you get rid of Jerry Krause," I think in that moment it shows that Reinsdorf, you know, might have done that. Mm-hmm. It, it might have been like, "Okay, well, I'll." Because you got Tony in his prime, who could pick up a lot of slack. Pip and and Jordan obviously could go again. And then all you need is a couple other guys. Well, you would just need a rebounder. That's what everybody says, right? right? So, like, if you look at the roster, you know, Steve Kerr was getting old. Rodman was pretty much done, you know, with the NBA and uh, and only had a couple seasons left after this. Bad seasons after. Real rough seasons. Um, so, it's all about everyone always says, well, they need a power forward. But it's like 
there's power forwards out there. You, there was. They could have definitely gotten one. I mean, they could have drafted somebody. They could have traded for somebody. Um, but I do. Th- I find it very interesting that we all might blame Reinsdorf and Kraus for ending C- Michael's career early, when really it's it's Phil that made that decision, and then Michael, who really just held true to his word for whatever reason, just didn't want to play for anybody other than than Phil. And I think I think Which makes sense because it'd be a downgrade for anybody else. Totally. But I also think like he he is definitely in in control of the narrative in that regard. He could have come back to the Bulls or he could have demanded a trade and gone somewhere else. Um, I I wonder very much. Like I wish you could see it. Michael really regretted not coming back for that. You know, going for the four peat. But I do think that that might be one of his biggest regrets is not at least trying to work out other avenues and and not leaving the game on top the way that he did like that. Um, it's a good way to go out, though. It's a hell of a way to do go out. Do you want to be greedy and go for four? You got the three. Magic and, and Bird didn't get that right. the three-peat, and that's kind of what he wanted. Exactly. And that's, he got two of them. Yeah, you get back-to-back twice. You got two of those. And six is a number that very few people you know ever reach. Robert Ory is one of them. Steve um, Kerr is one of them. Steve Kerr's got five. <laughs> Steve Kerr well, got, with coaching too, though. With coaching, he's at eight. Yeah, that's <laughs> Thank right. You. There's yeah, a lot. Steve's at eight. There's um, a lot. But anyway, like, yeah, I just I think for sure that that's got to be a regret for Michael. Like, he has very few regrets. I'm sure he's a very proud individual. And no I think, way. I think really, I think he always really kind of thinks that his judgment is best. Uh, but that's definitely got to eat him up, you know, because. Let's just, I mean, some of the other theories that have been thrown around is like he could have gone to the Knicks. He could have. Like, oh, he would never do that. Well, I, I think the whole idea of Michael's loyalty is really what kind of backed him into a corner, right? Because it, it would be like disloyal for him to leave the Bulls and go somewhere else. So for him, that's not even an option, I guess. Yeah, he, he wouldn't kinda, KD it. He, yeah, right. But then eventually, after time, he goes, well, actually, I still want to play. And fuck it, I'm going to go play for the Wizards. I think that's a good pick for him, though. I mean, I wouldn't have come back anyways. Right. I wouldn't have come back. He can't help himself. I know, and I'm not Michael Jordan, so yeah. uh, it's a little different. It, it is interesting, though, because in those in the, in that very next year, in the 99 season, we get the lockout season, which, again, probably played a pretty big part in Michael retiring because it wasn't a normal offseason. It was it was really different in a, in a condensed 50-game 50 se- 50 season. And everything was so up in the air during that. It was just chaos that it was the only time we ever had an eight seed make the finals. And that was finally the time that the Knicks, as soon as Michael retires for the second time, the Knicks make it all the way to the finals. And still couldn't pull it off. And then lose to Sean Elliott's unbelievable shot. Oh, he did hit a big one. In 99. He did hit a big one. Yeah, his heels are over the line in uh, in that series. If anything this documentary does, is it just just, all he does is kick Patrick Ewing's ass for literally 15 years. Oh, yeah. Just makes him his bitch every (laughs) fucking year. Every time they go head to head. Patrick's wearing a Georgetown shirt with Jordan's logo on it. Well, like if if yeah. he doesn't own you, and I think Patrick, I loved the other night. Did you see the Zoom call that Ahmad had with everybody? Uh, I put with it John on our Stockton. Page. Stockton, Barkley, well, yeah, they Malone, had like twenty faces in there. Clyde Drexler, Reggie, everybody's on it, and Stockton with the greatest. The greatest. He said he compared his game to Giannis, which just had everybody dying. I thought so that was funny. so funny, but. I mean, he he just destroys the Knicks for so long. And you know Michael Le- – and how about like before they play the Pacers or after they play and Bird's leaving or he sees Bird in the tunnel he's like, fuck you, bitch. You know, like <laughs> who talks like that? Michael does. Like he just always wants to have that edge. Yeah. And I know I sound like I'm hating on him so much. And I'm not hating. It was great. I love that Michael actually allowed us to see him be candid and kind of – I think he was very choosy on – how he said things but like yo can you just give gary payton some props just be like yeah he played me well and reggie <laughs> nobody reggie, got any props no i mean he the only team he gave props was the pacers pacers he, he said, said the they were the tough team, team other than detroit other than detroit because they were physical they had the davis brothers mm-hmm. i mean jalen was young reggie reggie didn't care at all I, this is uh, so i mean we, we mentioned steve kerr reggie comes out looking like roses in this documentary he's the only guy that that actually is is at least in this era, that doesn't seem to be afraid of Mike no. at all. Everyone else had a, had a fear factor with Mike. We know this. Right. And he says it. He goes, I, I was not scared of Mike. And you see 
when they put hands on each other in 93, I think it was, and how funny that fight was. It was just like a weird... The rake? Like the just kind rake? Of, yeah, just like a mushing of the faces. They both just put their hands on each other's faces. I thought that was great. But I, it, it does, my level of respect jumped back up a little bit. I had forgotten that Reggie was... Reggie was a bad man, Reggie, dude. Reggie was kind of like did not give a fuck guy mm-hmm. and wasn't afraid. Like he, he got in fights with not only Michael, but he got in fist fights with Kobe and... Uh, that that kind of stuff, you know, that, that that rare level of competition, especially for a skinny guy like Reggie, who was not, he wasn't beefy, he wasn't out there trying to throw punches, but never backed down from. He anybody. was a gamer. Never backed down from. And anybody. when the light, what's our what's our prerequisites, bro? When the lights are on, yep. Reggie was always there, and, and it goes to show you hitting shots. And they really thought that they were going to win that series. But yeah, they really did. I and they, I mean to be honest, like. It, without Michael being as good as he was, they they do take care of business. Hey, how about like, and we we've been saying this for a while because we're in the same boat. But like, everybody's trying to find content, and they're just trying to pull everything they can, every ounce of anything out of this last dance. And like, yeah. I'm watching Jalen and J- or I'm watching Co- Coward the other day, and like they have the pizza guy that delivered the pizza of to course, Michael, and they have the one. <clears throat> you see that that lady fan with on the Pacers, yeah, that was like cussing everybody out. They brought her on the show. Amazing. Like, Let's get your side of the story. Yeah, and like this guy was a delivery boy. 25 years ago. Supposedly. Also. Supposedly. I mean, I bet it. there's a bunch of people with their hands up like, I delivered that <laughs> pizza. That was me. I was the guy that, that rubbed the sausage on the floor, on the, on the floor balls of, on the, of the I restaurant. I put my balls on the pizza. Yeah. It's like, Why would Michael lie about them being five people? Like, I just yeah, don't. Mike didn't lie. It was, no. it was his buddy. Like that. And, and again, I don't think there was a lie either. I mean, the number of people, maybe he got wrong. Could have been three. Could have been five. But. The fact that there's that many people delivering a pizza, number one, is like, okay, that's fucking... There should be no more than one person that's delivering weird. a pizza. Yeah, it should be one person pizza time. And it's obvious he got sick. It's funny how the flu game now is the food poisoning game. It is So funny. what we have built up as the flu game is now officially... Like, why didn't we know that, Michael? You, in every interview you've ever done, you've never brought that up. It is I'm, strange. I'm just, you know, as mad as Horace got post-seeing this whole thing, because obviously he didn't see it you know, Bill Simmons has already seen it. Like a few people had already seen it. Well, yeah, they, most people had seen one through eight because nine and ten they were working on yet. as the as the doc was coming out. But like Horace called it like if you want to call that a documentary, yes. Like because obviously there's a lot of things missing. And again, to reiterate, like what Michael wants to be seen will be seen in this. That's the only way. Yeah. So. I'd like to see another version of this. Yeah. I'd like to see the disgruntled uh, Bulls players and just see what they come up with. Or, <clears throat> I mean, the kids would never make something because they're the bread. They're going to get that bread one day. But like, yeah, Michael's this is, kids. Yeah, just like this is what it's like. They're not going to go against dad. They're not going to go up never. against their own father. Never. Nah. And they're chilling. Like you saw they were, the, the chains that they were rocking. Oh, they're good. They're doing just fine. They're financially fine. They're doing just fine. I wonder what kind of life they live. I wonder if they have jobs. What do you uh, think? They could. They could probably have some jobs within Jordan. With the within Jordan brand. With the, or one of his other offices. With the Hornets. Maybe with the Hornets. So that's another thing. Like I, I listened to uh Barkley was on Zach Lowe the other day and yeah. just talking about how, you know, they were as you see through this documentary, like Mike was really close with Chuck. They were really good friends. And Chuck says one thing about him running an organization and Mike cuts you off. Mm-hmm. You know? So anybody that spoke, it's like this guy's Kim Jong-un, right? Yeah. You speak out against this guy. Well, it's funny. And what? It's funny because his, he, he said he, it put him on his list when he was talking about Brian Russell. Right. right? Brian Russell Because says, he did what? Brian Russell says one thing when Michael's first time retired. Jokingly. Jokingly. As a rookie. <laughs> right. And you made the list. And, and, and I waited for four years to get you uh, in the finals twice. There was that one meme that Everyone's, was like. The list is long. Michael's yeah. list, is, it's fucking, it's tremendous. Do you need a list though, Michael? It's exactly. Brian Russell. And we said he was right. going to catch the smoke no matter what. But it's like, there was the meme yesterday where it's like, uh, s- somebody walked up to Michael and wished him good luck in the game. He's on my list. I'm dropping 75. On my list. Like, come on, dude. So funny. So, to move forward. Now, since on every outlet, everything, everybody is just, no matter what, goat, Michael Jordan, goat. If I hear the word goat 
one more freaking time. I, I don't. I honestly don't ever want to talk about the last dance again. I don't ever want to talk about the goat again because no matter what, we're never gonna like. Nobody's ever gonna freaking agree mm-hmm. ever. Like Paul Pierce is on there today talking about how he he doesn't think LeBron should be on the top five, and I'm just like, really, Paul? Like, come on, what are we doing here? Proves proves again that Paul Pierce is not. He's worth, a hater. He's not worth what he is. I love Paul Pierce, his, but he's a hater. His opinions don't need to be shared. I don't think he's very long lived for being an ESPN uh, analyst. Nah, his all of his takes are garbage. Well, so are who's there's a few of them. Ryan Hollins is garbage sometimes. He's not on ESPN anymore. He's de- he is not. That's very true. <laughs> and we we got the scoop on why, but we're not going to let you guys know that. Um, I just think I think Paul Pierce is bad at this. I just I, anytime they put him on the spot, he he always gets in these corners where. Oh shit! I don't have LeBron. Well, that's because LeBron's not on my list. I'm sorry. I didn't, yeah, I, I don't, and he how brought is LeBron it up. Not on your top. Okay, five? so this is my thing. You know, we try to do that when we did our top five PGs and shooting guards and power forwards and all this. The question is this, right? Everybody wants to talk about the goat, the greatest of all time. So, the greatest basketball player of all time. Who are the five best? basketball players i'm not asking about the most accomplished i'm not asking about the guys with the most chips or the most mvps the five best players to play nba basketball yeah and one out of one in four people that that voted on this had lebron at one and i'm fine look guys I'm fine with having lebron at one or mike at one i don't think there's this huge disparity i really don't sure every every sport passes the torch every great player has to pass the torch yeah we saw you know dr j to bird to magic to jordan to to fucking Giannis to kobe like all over it happens to say that michael jordan is above and beyond a better basketball player than lebron james i just i i have to argue that point right because lebron is bigger faster stronger the stats are there minus minus the chips Mm -hmm. so when you argue that michael's better what's the only thing people are standing on is it the chips or is it because he's got a 10-hour documentary now obviously your portfolio has got to be crazy if you have a 10-hour documentary right right about one season essentially yeah that go i mean it's hard to keep up with that documentary too because you're going all over the the timeline it does well because it ends up collapsing on itself right because you start all the way back in 84 Mm -hmm. and then you're working your way you're starting in 98 and then you're going to 84 that's what i mean though and then and then the timeline is slowly catching up to 1998 season where where and i thought it was a nice way to do it like to go back and forth kind of explain that season in a larger sense and and i think they did a really good job of of like giving you scotty's shitty migraine game and then following up with his tremendous like heroic back problem game okay i forgot that too yeah. i literally forgot his back was done i don't remember that i forgot that i remember because it was a big deal i mean i remember what this is one of the first final se- series that i can recall just from memory because mm-hmm. it was that big in 1998 i was i was nine and so that was like a you know i, I was like the first time ever and i, I remember michael winning in 97 and just being all in on Jordan. That's all I wanted to watch was Michael. Who and, wouldn't? And I hated the Jazz because they were always the ones that were going up against Mike. Um, but that I remember that first half happening and being like, oh, they're going to fucking lose this game. And then he comes in and gives a one of the most honorable performances by an injured player I've ever seen. But all of that is in context of that documentary. I think they did a really good job with the timeline aspect to, to give value and put weight on certain things. Like they gave Steve Kerr his, his time. And I, I, that is the one glaring thing about it is that they really didn't give Horace that kind of that kind because of because Michael said we're not going right. to give it to him yeah. when he was such a big factor. Right. If, uh, Rodman, if they didn't get if Horace doesn't sign with Orlando, Horace is staying with the Bulls, and they're still going to do the same thing. Yeah, Horace well, might end up with five or six in, himself for sure. Yeah. And Horace ended up getting another one with the Lakers, so I think he ended up with four. Five. Good for Horace. Yeah, because he was Phil. Phil called him up and brought him over to the Lakers. So, but one thing that you mentioned was like the kind of changing of the guard. And at the end of this, due to the fact that Michael doesn't come back, you get the Spurs winning in 1999, and this really starts two dynasties. Michael's retirement. It starts the Lakers dynasty because right after that season, the Lakers go three peat. They go 2000, 2001, 2002. It's the beginning of the Shaq and Kobe era, and really, you know, Kobe essentially becomes the next greatest star, the next Michael Jordan, in a sense. Uh, And then it starts the Spurs dynasty, where you have 1999, the Spurs are there, and then it's just Lakers and Spurs for the next 10 years, really, in the West. And really, overall, that's that's the two teams that dominate for the next 
decade. decade. Yeah, pretty crazy. I just thought it was so poetic the way Michael goes out, though. The final game. Bucket, steal, game winner, last dance. It's over. You can't it, write a better ending you than cannot. that. It's a movie. It's a movie ending. But he couldn't just let that be what it is, and I got to come back and play at 38. You yeah. know, does that do you think that weighs on anybody for for saying the goat talk and shit? Like, why'd you come back at 38? I think the reason that it doesn't is because he averaged 22 and 20. And if you talk to the people on that team, he was making sure he was going to average no that. matter what. I Rip Hamilton getting, yeah. hated being on that team. Everybody did because okay, so. it's, it's old Mike that's going. I don't care if we lose. Right. I'm scoring 20, I'm getting my bucket 25 tonight. I don't give a shit. <laughs> And so, no, but because when you look back at those numbers, it's not as glaring as some of these guys that drag it out too long. It's not like the thing that we had with Shaq when he was at in Cleveland and in, and in Boston, oh where he's averaging eight and twelve. It's like that's that's just not that's not what Michael did. He came back at thirty eight and thirty nine, mm -hmm. and still averaged twenty points in the game. Which again, I mean, regardless of the ways that he did it, proves how good he is. I mean, what, LeBron is rapidly approaching that age. I mean, he's only thirty five, I think, at this point, LeBron. And so we'll we'll see what what Braun can put together because I, all things point to the fact that he'll be playing when he's thirty eight and thirty nine easily he, unless something crazy happens. Um, but I think what'll happen is you, he's already passed up Michael in pretty much every category statistically. So what he can do now is really to strengthen that resume and actually try to to, to be the one who is better than Mike is is really focusing on on the championships. But you pose the question as to why people might think that there's a chasm between these two. And the only thing for me that holds me back from really giving LeBron a true, you know, 40, 50% chance at, at beating Mike is the defensive stuff. And that stuff and, and the steals and everything else, the way that Mike decided to play both ends of the floor 100% is something that LeBron hasn't done. And, and, and it's too late in his career for him to, like, back that up. Now, does he have great defensive plays? Of course he does. He has the best defensive play in the finals history with that block on Iguodala. But... There's only three three categories yeah. that Michael is better than than LeBron. That's points per game by two point nine points, thirty to twenty seven point one. Maybe sure. my math's wrong. Sure, two points. He has more steals, and LeBron has more turnovers. Everything else LeBron has. Right. Also, if you and again, this isn't hating, but it kind of is. Like lebron's guarding the best player on the court mostly all the time not really well okay so michael's going even in that series michael's guarding carrie kittles michael's michael guarding, had scotty michael to, had scotty to take care of the, the 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 other opponent's best player but but i i just the the easiest way for me to put this is that you know michael really did focus <clears throat> on the defensive end yes he had scotty there for 10 years to to, to take on the bigger players that mike couldn't handle but whenever scotty was out um or if it was a smaller player that was really killing him mike would take over and definitely shut them down i mean that that's that's part of it and lebron doesn't does not do that he does not do that all the time he, and he's not going to back down from a situation but we see it all the time like when we are hoping to get a lebron versus Kawhi matchup they fucking barely guarded each other during these last couple series because lebron's like Put somebody. I'm not. I'm not doing that for four quarters. You put somebody else on him. I'm not doing that. And that's the garbage part of it. I just think that keeping going back to Paul Pierce, keeping LeBron out of your top five for whatever personal reasons you have. It's nonsense. It's nonsense. But I also want to bring something up that if we're talking about the greatest players to play the game, like why is Kevin Durant not in anybody's top five? I again, we go back to nostalgia and all this shit. Like. You, you're talking about Michael and the, his defensive end. Magic Johnson never made an all-defensive team, ever. Right. So, and, most, and Magic's in most people's top five. Yeah. And I don't have Bill Russell in my top five because I've never seen fucking Bill Russell play. Okay? I've never seen him play. We hear about the stats. There was eight teams. Obviously, Russell's one of the greatest teammates to ever, to you know, to play the game. He's one of the first African-Americans to play in the game. So, I don't have him in my top five. KD doesn't have one flaw in his game. Right. Except for being a, just a, a, a pussy sometimes. <laughs> All right? If that's yeah. the only thing you got. Right. And... <clears throat> LeBron's body of work is insane, dude. Yeah. I mean, think about it. He's at 50,000 minutes right now. Oh, yeah. The guy's been to nine NBA finals. Yeah, he he doesn't have six chips, but he's also been going against some fucking pretty damn good teams, man. Yeah. A lot of good teams. Um, now, if if they if if Bosch 
If and he brought one to Cleveland, bro. Right. Like he finally brought one to Cleveland against, to his hometown against arguably the best team ever, right? Like Being the, down three one and one of the greatest comebacks, exactly, right? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that that'll always the the thing with with as good as that win is for him and the Cavs, it's equally as bad that the Dallas Mavericks loss on on LeBron's record, like. With okay. Dwayne and Bosch, that's as bad as it gets for Braun because that team should have won. Um, and it's as good as it gets is bringing one to, to Cleveland with a banged-up Kyrie uh, and Kevin Love. I mean, granted, those guys are really good, and they were huge in those games, but I, it kind of balances it out for like, me. So is, my whole thing is, like, so is nobody ever going to take a – like, if Kobe's not better than Michael and LeBron's not better than Michael, then who the fuck – like, what do you what Nobody do you will be. But but why? Kobe's literally the same player. Right. I, literally cut from the same cloth, same player as Michael Jordan. But wasn't as good. I mean, Kobe never Kobe's averages per game are not 30 points a game. No. That's so that's the thing is like Michael Kobe can do pretty much everything that Mike can do, but didn't didn't do it as good. I mean, didn't get six championships, didn't average 30 a game. Uh I think Kobe ended up on eight all defensive teams, so got really close defensively. Um but you know, I mean, he beat him in scoring only because Kobe played 20 seasons uh, and and took a shit ton of shots to get to get to you know that scoring threshold. So did Mike. Yeah, exactly. And, but 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 so again, that the whole idea is like, yes, you can you can be just as good or, or maybe even in some cases a little bit better than Mike, but still not have done it for 14 years at the rate that Mike did. I like, mean, how are you gonna not gonna have? How are you gonna have? Bill Russell ahead of Shaquille O'Neal. Like Shaq was oh. a much more dominant player than Bill Russell. And Shaq would dominate Bill Would Russell. dominate. Would absolutely <clears throat> destroy Bill I Russell. I agree. Yeah. So, you know, I just, I, again, with the nostalgia, I get it, the 11 chips. I get it, all that stuff. But in order to, like, have an educated conversation about it, I just, I just don't like the fact that people just literally automatically, because it's Michael Jordan, no, we can't even have the discussion about LeBron or Kobe. Well, that's, and, until somebody does, I mean, so here's the truth, right? Let's be real about this. Mm-hmm. The guy who's come closest to replicating and doing better than Michael Jordan is James Harden. If we're talking about the just the pure points per game numbers, okay. James Harden is the only guy who's replicated what Mike has done scoring wise and exceeded it. He did some shit in the last two seasons that have never been done before. But again, it's it's the whole nostalgia versus reality versus people's opinions of James Harden is not there. Not a lot of people Does like James, James Harden never made a defensive team though. No. So we can't, that he not can't even, even close. Be in a- no, but I'm just trying to put into context what it would take to be, to outdo Mike and a guy who's scoring 37 points per game, which is what James Harden was doing last year. Still isn't going to, it's, it's still not even going to be close to doing what to, to getting the respect that, that Michael has. So James Harden is going to have to do that for the next 10 years for us to be even close to considering him. To, to be on Kobe's level. Yeah, but I don't think points I don't think points per game has It's not everything, but that's no. a big deal. I get it. I think winning I mean winning making your team win is the most important. Okay. Making your team win is the most and important. Michael proved that. He definitely did. Definitely did. So it's gotta be a combo <clears throat> of those that's my I can I think that's kind of my point. But LeBron's won too, minus no, the chips. That's kind of my point. If James Harden averages that thirty seven and then takes the Houston Rockets all the way through the playoffs and wins and does that for three or four times, we'd have to take a real look at and be like, okay, maybe this guy's you know really close to, to Kobe, really close to LeBron. That's why really KD close. needed to go to Golden State to get his chip so people sure. would get off his back. Sure. But, but it, it has to be both of those things, and, and, and very few people will ever, ever do that. Very few people have huge numbers that also coincide with wins. I, I agree. I just, I really, it would have been great to see Michael against prime Kobe and it would have been great to see Michael against prime LeBron. Cause I just, he, it ain't Kerry Kittles, bro. It's yeah. not Reggie Miller. And that's the He's, part about the three years that really bothers me because we would have seen Michael for those three years still be an all-star and we would have seen all those matchups, regardless of what team Michael was on between Kobe and Mike as, as Kobe got better. I would have, that's something that I, for like, I always rack my brain around is like, fuck, dude, if he was playing all the way through without going on that. Maybe he saw hiatus, it. Then. Maybe he saw it, though. Maybe he knew because maybe he knew. Well, that- I think I think the part of the reason that he came back just in the similar like way that LeBron's win over the Cavs spurned this documentary. I think after seeing Kobe win two in a row and go for the three peat is when Michael 
came back in 02 was that season that he came back when the Lakers were going for the three piece. So he's like, you know what? Fuck this. <laughs> yeah, I guess Kobe's going to win three. I'm coming back. I'm coming back and I'm winning with the Washington Wizards. Another thing I want to bring up, like Michael owned the East, obviously, like he murdered everybody in yeah. the East. And during those times, you literally played. First of all, you played West Coast teams twice and you play people in your division four or five times a year. So he didn't get to come to the West side too much. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So he didn't go against Shaq, uh, you know, only twice a year, right? And I mean, he guys. had early Shack that they were they were going. He up did have early Shaq. all the time, but yeah. there's just so many different factors to bring in, and it's just always it's going to be the ongoing debate. I'm done talking about it. I'm not saying I think LeBron is the best player to ever play. I think there should be some talk about it though, because everybody's going to be so different. But I don't want to talk about it anymore. Well, that's the thing I, is like we're not. This is never going to end. We no. know this. Like this conversation. That's I think that's the beauty of sports though. It's like like we we're never going to be done with this conversation. Like LeBron and guys like LeBron in the future, maybe it's 10 years, maybe it's 20 years, but there's going to be another guy that comes around that puts up similar numbers. And again, it, it's just a matter of time before that person arrives. So it goes this If is, Luka <clears throat> Doncic averages what he's averaging right now for the rest of his career and he plays for 12 seasons, his numbers are going to match LeBron's. But that's, see, that's you're saying 12 the, seasons like LeBron's right. played 17, right. about to be in his 18th. And this is the other thing. I don't think it could be one singular player. It's like when you say, who's the greatest football player of all time? Well, what are we talking about? So There's some players positions. that play defense. Right. Quarterback is your leader of the team. Who's sure. the best wide receiver, tight end? You know, all that shit. I think it's better to break shit down position-wise. Yeah, and category. And then, like we did, right? Yeah. Okay, Michael, you are the greatest number two to ever live. Hands Le- down. LeBron, you're the greatest number three to ever live, and there's that's how we're settling right. it. And I think that's a better way to do it. And then, you know, to each his own. Again, it's a generational thing. My father will tell you something different. Your father will tell you something different because of the way they made them feel. It's the way Michael made us feel, right? When I was a teenager starting to love basketball, this is where Michael is all-encompassing. And, and think about this. When you see him in Barcelona – uh, and you see just how it was like traveling with the Bulls, how they said it was like the Beatles. Yeah, It's not like that anymore because we see these guys every day on social media. I know what LeBron's doing with his family in his house. Like we're seeing Zoom interviews and podcasts and people have their own uh, traveling teams and their commercials and like all this shit. So it's kind of like seeing Mike, seeing Michael was like seeing a fucking God because you didn't get to see it a lot. Right. And he only came to town once a year. I got to see him once a year at the sports arena right. or at the pond. And now it's like, shit, I know it. LeBron, I know it's Tuesday. So LeBron's having tacos tonight. Exactly. And we're, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. He, he owned the nineties. He was the, the literally the, I think the most famous person on the globe. I He's mean, still there. Oh no! People still know his name and and recognize his face. He, I mean, he won't let the hoop earring go. Can't let that or the stash. Well, the, the mustache is held on for a and long. And the yellow eyes now. Well, now it's yellow eyes. Anyway, it so <laughs> it just he completely owned that decade, and it's so cool to watch. You can see it in this documentary what the '90s looked like when you can see, and also he's like trend setting for the night for the how, 90s how good does a suit look on this guy <laughs> like it makes you want to go buy a three-piece everything looked good on michael yeah even when he's dude he's wearing kangol hats that, right? that nobody looks good in. with some bullshit ass oh, shades i will tell you though the 90s sunglasses i am Ugh, not here for those no all dude he was looking like the matrix <laughs> It, on on times a thousand on all the how many different sunglasses came through the nineties that was all so looked bad. shit they all were terrible and in the ninety eight like the the like the ceremony when he's got like the those, little tiny one the tiny one it looks like he's about to hop on a, a bike and go on like he's got goggles on <laughs> he did, like he's going to uh, going to tanning bed what the hell was that that was those are some of the worst and he still looked amazing like he still it's like fuck how cool is that guy he just, hey fun fact those glasses are terrible oh the Zach, on the Zach Lowe and uh, Charles. Uh, pod Zach asked Charles like you know a guy my age just wanted to be a fly on the wall when you guys were in Monte Carlo and playing cards every night yeah and and, and Chuck's like dude every night me Magic Scotty and Michael every single night cards and Zach's like how much like how much are these games every night like what how much the how numbers, much is on the there, table yeah. what do you think Drew a hundred grand, hundred k. Oh yeah, fifty to a hundred k all day, every night yeah. on the table. Well, and dude, just... and and Charles is not a great gambler. We know this about his uh, his track record yeah. of gambling. So Mike just took his money, bro. <laughs> I can guarantee it. 
Mike would wear him down too. Mike would just is like there oh, cash on the table, or they got their own chips or something. Like I'm sure they're playing with chips, and then the chips have a value. And you're just running I mean, like a tab. I mean, shit. Who knows? Mike might have had one of his security guards just go pull a hundred racks out the out the bank and bring them. But you I, know the story I want to hear. This is the this is the documentary I want to hear. Is Larry and Patrick Ewing becoming BFFs on that trip? That is that's a story that I want to know about. That's what I want to know about. And supposedly it was because. Patrick liked to drink beer. Larry liked to drink. And you know what? That's the same shit. Like, you meet one guy that likes to go to the bar on Tuesday nights. You're like, hey, I'll meet you there. Yeah. And then you become BFFs. Yeah. It's just a weird relationship. Just, just drinking Bud Heavies. Bud Buzzweisers is what we oh. used to call them. Like, fucking. Bud Heavies. Those are, those are the. That's America right there. America. If Larry was drinking a Budweiser, smoking a Marlboro Red, it couldn't get more America than 1980s. <laughs> more French Lick than that right yeah, there, 1980. Boy. Or what is it? 92. <laughs> But isn't that cool? Like, there's so many, and and then out of all of this, like, think about this: you got Michael, Magic, uh, Scotty, and Chuck that play cards every night, right? Stockton has his whole family there with him, probably just doing sightseeing and like, yeah. you know, buying. He's got the, the rollaways in yeah, the bed, totally. Okay, <laughs> I don't know. I have they all they do is rip on Clyde, right? Yeah. I guess supposedly Michael really did not like Clyde for whatever reason. Seems like Clyde's the nicest dude in the world. It's because somebody compared it, Clyde totally, to him. Totally. It's all it was. So Clyde just gets kicked One out. One journalist <laughs> is like, you know, Clyde's kind of similar to Mike. Nope, he's just on the list. Just older, he's a really good player. Yep, he can jump Just made the list. Like, Wait, what? Nope, nope. You think he's close? Get the li- get the list out, pops. Yeah, dad, dad, I need, where's the notebook? <laughs> There's so many sub documentaries in this, and this is the time for the documentary. Yeah. If I, if I had, if I had to pick some stuff, I want, I would want an individual documentary about the 92. Uh, I feel like they did that. They did. They there did a 30 one. for 30 on that, right? Not 30 for 30. It's like, they, they it's did an ESPN, something. like an NBA TV one. But I want more footage from the practices, and then I want the, the Space Jam. Um, Th- those runs. I want those runs. Those are the two. Those are the two things that I would love Chuck was to pissed. watch. Chuck was pissed too that the that the last dance only focused on that practice. He's like, "Yo, every practice we had was like that." And because Michael came out and won this one, that's why they showed. That's it. why they showed that one. Right. He's like, every single scrimmage we had was like that. Of course. And Chuck made sure to say, like, we whooped Michael's. We played four games that day or whatever. We won three. Yeah. You know, that was Mike. That was the last game, and Michael got that one. And you can hear it at the end where they, when they start to leave that clip, Mike goes, uh, Well, how about we talk about me kicking y'all ass? Yeah. And, and Char- you can just hear right in the very. And Charles goes, Oh, hell no. Don't be talking about <laughs> that. Right. And then they cut away. They, to cut some, it. They, cut, they cut away to something else. Like they, like they only played one scrimmage game to 12 that day. Like, yeah. come on, dude. That's pretty awesome. And it's, and it's really cool because. You, you you can hear uh, after they go through the 93 when they talk about um, beating Chuck um, in, uh, the Phoenix against the Bulls, when Charles says that was the first time that I actually realized that somebody was better than basketball than I was. And that's a year after the Barcelona shit. Mm-hmm. So during that time... He we, thought he was the best. Right, and because he was. I mean, statistically, he put up the biggest points per game during that time. Charles did, right? On that dream team, wasn't he the yeah, one? Yeah, he was the, the leading highest, scorer. He was the leading scorer of the team. And I find that so interesting because that must have been such a boost for Charles. Walking away from yeah. 92 Barcelona, feeling like he was the, the number one star, even though Mike and everybody else got all the coverage. Charles comes back, wins MVP, goes to the finals, and thinks he's the best player on the planet. And then it's like, oh, wait a second. Mike was just that much better. And Mike's and he's been playing against Michael since forever. They were drafted the, the same year. Same. Yeah. Like it, like in That's pretty crazy though. It is. For, it but a, people forget how great Chuck was. <laughs> well, that's Again, the that's the problem. One of our one of our followers that that just he, he participates in everything that we do. He said last night like cuz I posted a picture of Charles. If you're not following our stories on our clips and Drew page, you have to. If you want to get nostalgic, look at our stories page cuz we are killing it with that. Um, he's like, so what, what's your take on Chuck? And I just sent him a clip or not a clip, but I said, look at episode 118. Yeah. And we talk about Chuck and Draymond and all this shit. But, um, Chuck is, is, uh, uh, he needs to get a little more respect. He's a legend. Yes. And, And it's really unfortunate. Like there's like we talk about, you said Patrick Ewing, we mentioned Reggie Miller, like all of the guys in the nineties that didn't get a ring that would have gotten one. If Mike wasn't as good as he was, it's. The list, that list is also long. I mean, you're talking about guys that never won a ring. I mean, Gary Payton ended up winning one finally at the end of his career with, with Miami in 06 uh, when Shaq and D-Wade take it down. So think about it. Let's think about it really sure. quick. Reggie never won one. Mm-hmm. Patrick never won one. 
you know, Gary ends up winning one. Charles never wins. Six championships right. of 10 years were Mike's. Um, so you got a lot of guys that just never, never got over the hump because of him solely. And that's another thing, too. I mean, when we think about careers that were altered by Mike, not by his winning. There's a there's a big there's a big list of players. Yeah, a lot of people didn't get to eat, man. Right, and he made sure he did. You made the list. Carl winning MVP that year, you made the list, bro. Ripped, <laughs> ripped, ripped for the final fucking play. God, that's I, the way to go out. And that kind of that play right there, I think, is why people don't remember Carl Malone very fondly. That's like one of the last things that he did, other than going to the Lakers and fucking up that whole situation. Like the way that Carl ended his career was on such a downturn that he doesn't get the respect that he deserves, even by me. I mean, I really undervalue Carl's numbers and what he did. He was really, really good. He also slept with a 13-year-old. Yeah, dude, he did some fucking... He's also... He's a really weird guy. He's a little weird. So, Carl Malone's career and, and all of that is completely... He's the second leading scorer of all time. And it's completely forgotten. People don't even know. It's the Young Bucks, though, dude. If you look at that series, like Carl from 15 feet is nothing but... It's cash. Rush. Cash all Somebody day. in his face doesn't matter. No. He was hitting that. No, but the, just the, uh, Rodman getting under his skin. <laughs> that whole three flop Yeah, thing watching is Rodman best. just like... <laughs> tackle someone without his arms it's amazing i've never seen somebody tackle somebody without using their arms right and that's exactly what robin does like hands up i'm just gonna lay on you just what a pass so funny but no i you know um there was one thing that i wanted to ask you oh i love questions just because i think your take on this is 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 interesting and it's different than mine Uh, and this goes back to like the resuming of the season then we can kind of wrap it up we know that June 1st is going to start this all. We're expecting July and August to be roughly when games are actually starting to be played. But there's a lot of talk of, you know, because time is an issue, they may have to shorten the regular season or shorten the playoffs. And so I want to ask you, what would you prefer, right? If time is an issue and they can't get all of the regular season games in, um, and they have to either shorten the regular season or shorten the playoffs. Which wouldn't? Which would you prefer that they shorten? Not the playoffs. So the keep season. the playoffs all seven games through all the series. Yes, you shorten the, the regular season. Yes, I mean because as as long as we can get a month of practice and scrimmage in, and then because the reg- again, I'm not a big fan of them even resuming because. But it, I'm I am I know you okay yeah. I'm, the only reason I'm not a fan of them resuming is because even if the clip again, even if the Clippers win it all, it's going to be people talking shit like, well, it was COVID. It was the COVID season. You know, I want basketball back more than anything. I mean, shit, man, I'm with you on this, but yeah, a short in the regular season. As long as you get your scrimmage and your, and your legs under. So maybe like 10 games. Is that what we're talking? I think, I mean, I think most teams need 15 to 17 games. Most teams, still need 15 to 17 games played for for the regular season to end. Most teams are around 65 games played. 82-game uh, season is about 17 games. So the thing that I found out is that if they don't actually play the full regular season, their checks might be prorated based on that, right? So if you only have uh, – if they only play 10 more games and they ended at 75, everyone just ends at 75 games instead of 82 – their checks are going to be prorated for those loss of games on top of the already chunk that they're going to be taking out now CBA to, yeah, to, to, to account for all of the fans and the revenue from the fans not being there. So their checks are going to get even smaller if they don't finish the regular season, which is why I think it makes a lot of sense for them to try and play if they can, if time isn't an issue, they should try and do the full regular season and the full uh, playoffs um, but I don't think any – I think if they have to shorten one, I also agree. I think it should be the regular season because that way, even if it is like people are, oh, it's a COVID year or it's the coronavirus year and it there's an asterisk, at least they still had – all the teams still had to play their same seven-game seven series to get to that championship level. The there, playoffs will still be the same. There will be an asterisk no matter what. Of it's course. It's not even a question. Um, LeBron, Steph, Giannis – and Harden or Westbrook, all of them get their full pay this year, no matter what. They've already been paid in full. Right, so but some them, of those guys are going to have to actually give money back next year. No, I agree. Yeah, and and move and thinking for the future too, though, Drew, dragging this out till August, right? Which is probably what's going to happen if we get started on time. August, beginning of September, 
that they're going to try to start the season in December. Uh-huh. You, you know what I mean? So it's going to be a quick turnaround for these guys that are going to go deep. Hopefully Clippers, Lakers, uh, you know, Bucks. Who else we got? Fuck, I don't even remember who's good anymore. Toronto. It's been, it's been so long. Toronto. You know, and then you're you're coming right back. There's probably zero summer. I, where's the summer league going to happen? You well, know what I mean? That, it's possible that this just alters the NBA schedule forever. Definitely. For all other seasons. It's just like, okay, now we're just going to start in, De- in December every start year. Start Christmas Day. And we're going to run it like this mm-hmm. throughout the entire, uh, you know, regular season. And we're going to always end in August. Mm-hmm. Just moving forward. And to me... That's ideal. I love it. Because we all know that month of August is just fucking brutal. End of July, August, there's no sports. It's, It's like... It's like... NFL practices and and a little sprinkling of college football. MLB, yeah, mm. be, exact baseball, please. Um, <laughs> and so I think this is a huge. It's also a really good revenue opportunity because there is a drought during that time. So if they do a natural shift uh, to the schedule moving forward, that could be huge, and it, and it could just be the the number one spot for them. Moving forward, and then summer league is going to be in it November. It won't be summer league. No, anymore. it'll be fall league. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fall. You know, it'll which be would fall. be just. I practices. like. I would love. It's also better for for that too because then Vegas is colder. It's mm. not 130 degrees out there in the summertime when you go to Vegas for summer league. Now it's fall league and it's nice 80 degrees. Fall in league Vegas. sounds good too. It's fucking great. It's great. And I would really like. I mean, talk about Christmas Day. Looking forward to Christmas Day. Opening, Opening day, day. Christmas Day. Christmas Day games. I like that too because, really, Christmas Day gets a lot of play, but it's a very unique day to be playing in the middle of a regular season. And, and sometimes we see those Christmas day games that are just blowouts. Like some teams just really not ready to play because it's, guess what? It's fucking Christmas. So at least you can have that opening day, which is always kind of a scrap. Anyway, the game first game of the season, it's just like, let's see if we can work out the kinks and actually run a I play. <laughs> I, I actually really like that. I'm all for it, man. I'm looking forward. Let's get this season started. It seems like it might be happening. So yeah. that's a, it's a good thing. You've been positive about it the whole time. I've been negative Nancy about it, but it is what it is. I will take anything right now. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to start playing ping pong again. Yeah? Yeah, thinking about it. There's a ping pong table down the street at my friend's house. Hey. At least I'll get something in. It's better yeah. than my walks I'm doing every day. There you day. go. Um, if you're not listening to our Patreon show, check us out. Every Saturday, we will not be recording this weekend. Uh, Drew is going on a, a mini vacay, yep. but we will keep the content coming. We're going to do a really cool interview with uh, Coach Jim Herrick next week, which should be interesting. UCLA champion. Got a lot to talk about. Patreon.com backslash Clips and Drew. We're going to take him out with uh, one of my favorite albums of all time, bro. CeeLo Green and his perfect imperfection. Big old words, okay? Listen to this song. This boy spits. The follow through with Clips and Drew. We're ghosts. In old fashion, have I lost my passion for the pen? It's just that lady life has been a lot less inspiring. To tell you the truth, trials and tribulation is very tiring. I gotta play a little game of gimmick and gun firing. I'm not aspiring to be any lower or higher than. I get equal as into I I again. I'm the truth, I'm complicated, I'm already, but try again. I've got to die once to never ever die again. And what I believe within, I engrave it in my skin. And one thing that I ain't is a saint without a sin. How could there be a now? If there never was a then That is unbalanced just like the yang without a yen I am distinguishedly deeper As opposed to the paper thin And I breathe oxygen And you rhyme about rocks again You stagnant, standing still enough to feel the world spin I'm beginning to smell the end And the path of the blowing wind Hopefully I'm fortunate enough to spend forever with a friend I'm slow dancing with destiny every day until then When I first got my big break I said that I would never bend And discredit my character to keep up or contend And my belief beat baseline secrete such a special blend I am not like them at all, and I cannot pretend. I am not like you at all, and I cannot pretend. Damn. That shit was funky. Yeah. Come on. I can offer an extension.
attention or compare comprehension. I'm in a classroom with my own. I'm too far gone for competition. Yet I'm never obnoxious with my obvious ambition. Perfectly imperfect is my dimensions definition. I engage my peer and peers to pay till it bleeds my intention. With honorable mention of God's divine intervention. I'm incredible, I'm inevitable, and there's no possible prevention. I'll holler and scream my dreams and I have your undivided attention. The powers that be will be beaten into submission. And you will be able to see my revolution on television. You'll get an angerism fucking around with my head on collision. With the power to get you dead and have the dead risen. I remember when my development was arrested. I was doing time on my mind, misguided and misdirected. I was sick, so sick. If I spoke to you, be infected. Then my consciousness was good of all charges and I came out corrected. Reinvented, refined, replenished, and well rested. On a mission for a medium to manifest the thoughts I collected. After that, everything I breathed upon, I blessed it. I committed crimes of passion and my soul was suspected. But it was thrown out of court because, of course, the creator and I connected. He told me to fear not, for thou art protected. Your life is being requested and you are being tested. So make every attempt you can to expect the unexpected.